Hello and welcome to episode number three of The A-List, the podcast that asks the world's top advertising professionals how they got started in the business. I'm Tom Chrisman, currently Chief Creative Officer at DeMassimo Goldstein, an inspiring action agency in New York City. Today, I chat with Greg Hahn, Chief Creative Officer of BBDO New York, where he helps big brands like FedEx, HBO, and AT&T make award-winning work that works. Before BBDO, Greg spent nine years at Fallon in Minneapolis. We talk about being a musician, the magic of David Lubars, hacking technology, and the benefits of eavesdropping. And be sure to listen to the end for one piece of magic advice that every young creative needs to hear. The A-List is brought to you by Ad House Advertising School. Advertising age called Ad House New York's newest, smallest, and arguably hippest ad school. Their philosophy? An ad class is only as relevant as the professional who teaches it. Ad House classes are taught by the best in the biz in the agencies where they work. You get 10 weeks of classes for just 600 bucks. To apply, go to adhousenyc.com. And for the latest news, follow Ad House NYC on Facebook. And now, my interview with Greg Hahn. Hey, Greg Hahn. Hey, Tom. Kristen, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm very well. Very well. Um, you're, uh, you're up there at the BBDO. You're the big uh, chief creative officer there. You've been there how long now? It has been, this month, 11 years. Wow. Been, yeah, I know. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Double digits. Yeah. I remember you coming in with uh, Mr. David Lubars. That's right. Well, he actually got there about a year. He did, um, you know, scouted out before I got there and made sure it was, it was actually going to be okay. He got there like a year before I did. <laughs> he was like the uh, the landing party? Yeah, yeah. He walked, the, he walked the field to make sure the landmines were clear. Yeah, yeah. It took a few, but um, yeah, by the time I got there, he, you know, had a good sense of what was there and what, what needed to be done and, you know, where, where he would like to go with it. I remember being very excited when he came in. Um, because he gave a great presentation, and then you came in, and it was really cool. Uh, I was there for all that. I feel lucky. Um, yes. But tell us about, like, your early life. Where did Mr. Greg Hahn uh, grow up, and what did he want to be when he grew up, when he was a, when he was a young lad? Um, all good questions, not great answers, but I, I grew up in Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio, which is not known for anything other than um, WKRP and maybe some baseball or something. The Bengals. The Bengals, yeah. Mm. So um, I went to Ohio State for college of state journalism, not really knowing what I wanted to be. So I actually started out in psychology, which is, is almost a better um, training for advertising than journalism. Yeah. Uh, but I started out there and then realized that, you know, the career path to that is either teaching or spending a lot of time listening to people's problems. <laughs> but that's what you do now. You're chief yeah, creative officer. <laughs> so I kind of do a mixture of both those things right now. I'm chief creative officer. Yeah, you're a teacher so, and you, you're a therapist. It was actually, actually the best training I could have gotten. But, um, you know, after that, I honestly, I, I knew I wanted to be in advertising, but I didn't know what exactly that role would be. So I graduated with a degree in journalism then. I quickly moved out of Ohio. I had a friend who lived in San Diego, and I wanted to get warm, so I moved down there. Yeah. And, you know, I just literally looked in the phone book for advertising agencies. Really? Like yeah. the physical phone book? In San book. Diego. Yeah, yeah under in Yellow Pages, <laughs> under advertising. In San Diego, so you can imagine. That's where my career started. Um, and that was Franklin Storza? Is that where I'm, I'm, well, no, that uh, came what, up? 
that I I I met an art director who worked there, and I the way I did it is I went into these advertising agencies and. I showed him my resume, which is like, here's my grade point average. Here's what I studied. No work whatsoever. And they're like, you can't get a job in advertising like this. Like, you have to have a portfolio. I That's no amazing. Idea. Absolutely no clue what that what that meant. And I met an art director there who just kind of took me under his wing and said, here's what a, you know a portfolio looks like. Here's what good advertising looks like. He showed me Archive Magazine, and suddenly it's like, that's what I want to do. You know, but it kind of blew my mind at that point. Yeah. And that was like the most important step in my whole career was showing me where the true north was, you know, as far as what good advertising was. Because yeah. a lot of people, like at my in my day before content and internet and all these interesting things were happening, yeah. was you just see stuff on TV and go, I could do that. And then you end up trying to do that kind of shit. And it wasn't good. Yeah. So I could, you know, anybody could do that. The stuff that you see on TV most of the time back in the, those days. Yeah. Um, Every once in a while, there's something inspirational, but you didn't get a steady diet of that living in Ohio with four TV stations. Right. Um, but, you know, he, he really showed me what uh, conceptual good advertising is. Archive Magazine is a great resource for that. It's, it still is, right? It's, it's mostly like... print, but to boil it down to an idea and what a concept is, it's like there's no better way to, to get started than that. Yeah. Um, you know, all those all those ads you, you really have to think about, which I loved. Right. And, uh, and so he, um, he kind of showed me that. And then he actually taught like a little concepting after work class once a week. So I did that, you know, hand sketch drawings with headlines on it. And I got an internship at Franklin stores that, and at that time, John Beecher and John Robertson were there. And those guys were doing such great nationally recognized creatively win, you know, creative winning awards that I, you know, them. Oh, great. Yeah. And just, at the, but at the same time, since that was not a paying job, I, ha- I got a, a actual paying job in advertising at this place called Think Tank. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't mention the name because I don't know. <laughs> uh, so anyway, those guys, really fun, nice, interesting guys, but weren't doing the kind of, you know, uh, they right. do like bank brochures and yeah. local, you know, San Diego, you know, pamphlets and things like that. Yeah. But they offered me a job with good paying money at the time. It was like more money than I'd ever seen in my life. Right. And then, uh, but I also had this internship that was creatively inspiring and showing me on learning and, you know, just by watching all these, being around good people. Yeah. And, you know, I was at that sort of crossroads in my career very early on where I could have gone, but paid, you know, capped out at $40,000 yeah. or, or kind of taken the no money route, but invested in myself and my career. And I was really torn. So I talked to a creative director at another agency. He's like, boiled it down. Like, this is one of the most important talks I ever had in advertising, which he said, I mean, I was like, there's two paths in advertising you can go. You can go, you know, down this road where you're going to get paid pretty decent, um, doing work that anybody can do. It's just, it's a job. Mm-hmm. Or you can do this other kind of work, which is going to be harder, it's, you know, but you're going to have much more fulfilling career doing it it's gonna be more inspiring it's kind of what you got into it for but the pay is gonna suck and you're gonna work your ass off for the first couple of you know few years yeah but he said you once you go on the high path i'll call that path two yeah you can always jump back over at any time to path one if right. you start off on path one you're never going to get to path two yeah so that was really great advice because i was just like yeah knowing that i can always get a job you know at a, at a different place if, if i can't make it in the other place yeah start 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 there so 
so I spent more time, you know, actually I, I turned down that job and worked on my book and that kind of thing for another few months. And just and then, interned at Franklin Storza and, yeah. and just kept working on your book? I kept working on my book. and Using their computers and printers and all that stuff? At that time, um, I got lucky because it was right before all these kids started coming out of schools with really polished, finished-looking ads in their books. So my book was, this is the 90s when grunge was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, my book was pretty much Xerox, blown up, hand-drawn with headlines and, and you know, some ch- cheap-looking visuals. Yeah. And I remember some art directors going, wow, who's your art director? You know, like, at, at <laughs> we got David Carson working on this yeah, stuff. Yeah, it totally looked like David Carson. <laughs> and um, they were like, who's your art director? This stuff's really cool. I'm like, no, that I, I I did not work with an art director. It was me at Kinko's blowing shit up so you can read it. That's amazing. I, I used to do that, too. I used to do that as an art, because I was a terrible art director. I'm a writer, finally, but I went to school to be an art director. And I used to do that as part of my art direction. I would just be like, I'm just going to blow it up on a printer and see what it looks like. And then I'd be yeah. like, cool. Cool. It probably didn't look as cool as yours, but but it no, was my that was my uh, my trick for sort of like well it's instant art direction I don't have to like learn Photoshop and all that stuff. And there was a guy at Franklin Stores who was doing you know this is back when he took camera stats or whatever that is of, of layouts. He yep. was doing all hand doing all of uh, John Petro who all his layouts. So this dude you know he worked in the photo room, but he wanted to be an art director and he he. he um, trained under John Petro by being his apprentice for seven years. So he had a great eye. So the two of us kind of combined forces and put together some some ads. Some looked a little bit better than others, but for the most part, it was pretty down dirty. And and the writing came through the journalism, right? You went to, to school for journalism, so you yeah. sort of was were taught how to, how to write a story. I knew how to put sentences together, but uh-huh. the writing really came from studying what other great, you know, reading, basically, on my own. I, I did a lot on my own yeah. at that time because I, I didn't. I just honestly didn't have a school. That, I didn't know about ad schools. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, everybody I've talked to so far, I've talked to uh, to Ty Montague and Rob Riley, and neither one of them went to ad school. And I think it. I think ad school might just make you into. I mean, if you don't do anything else other than that, it might make you into a. A robot like everybody else, right? So, so There's what? A lot of parody coming out of those school. Like they're all good. Yeah. You know? It's like I wish I was that good when I was that young. I see these finished ads, and they could easily be online or run, or you know, they they look amazing, but they all do sort of feel like there's not a lot of soul there. You know, I don't yeah. get so much of a sense of their their personality. And and that comes from having other interests outside of advertising, right? I mean, what what yeah. were your other interests when you were when you were coming into it? Well, when I when I my first career path was to be a musician. I um, was like a total guitar freak back in high school and college. Mm-hmm. I went to my my first turning. My, the thing that steered me off. To it, I went to this place called um, Musicians Institute of Technology, which is in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. My parents indulged me for a few months in college to go like, okay, get to value system, see, see what you can do. It was pretty intensive training in the scums of Hollywood back then. And it looked yeah. Like Boulevard. That was really scary area. It was really scary. There was a lot of fucking, like, it was, you didn't want to spend any time in, in Hollywood at no. that point. Um, but I lived there in like some ramshackle. I used to get abused by homeless people on my way home carrying my guitar. Yeah. But I went there and saw like some of the best musicians ever, like way better than a lot of successful bands that you see now, these 
these were like um, Steve Vai taught there, uh, Van Halen taught there. Once. These are my idols. Right. I was through like Ingvay Malmsteen, all these guys. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I studied, and that's what I wanted to do. And then I remember this this key moment, another key moment in my life is there's a guitar teacher there that I, I, he was like the dude I worshipped and practice eight hours a day to try to be like, and this guy was good and he knew everything. And like, if I could only be half as good as him, then I would be successful. And I'm walking home, classes were at night, walking on like 10.30 at night or whatever. Cut through a parking lot and there he is working the uh, attendant lot. Right. Fuck, man, that is a hard career path to go. Like, that is a hard business to make it in. If he, you know, he's still struggling and he is as good as I could ever hope to be. Yeah. So, you know, I had to face reality at that point and go, um, you know, I probably need a plan B. Yeah. But, um, which I'm very, you know, I'm still very glad I, you know, who needs groupies and fame, right? Yeah. No, I mean, you don't have them now, right? <laughs> Nobody no. chases you around. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, they I, do. I, I'm so not, I've seen I'm not it. Burdened by that. Um, but, uh, and you look like a rock star, which is cool. <laughs> still want to be, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that was that. That, that was a, a passion I always had in music and creativity, like just like creating stuff out of nothing or putting stuff together. And also art. When I grew, when I first started, and uh, you know, I, I was the kid in school that always drew people's pictures and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And what? How? Uh, how can can young people impress you now? Like, what is it that impresses you now? Um, attitude and curiosity, I, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who are willing to do whatever it takes. Um, and, uh, that that kind of comes together with your philosophy. I, I read that your philosophy is yes. What what's what's that mean? Yeah. Um, well, be open is basically what mm-hmm. it is, and that, that's that's more about too when two ways two ways that helps me is when when I'm concepting, and especially when you're when you start working with a partner, which is key in your first few years is never just shut the idea down right away. Just if, if you're working with a smart partner, you got to give them the benefit of the doubt. Even if it's stupid, there's got to be something there that mm-hmm. triggered that to come out of his mouth. And you want don't want him to be afraid to, him or her to be afraid to say something in front of you that might get, you don't want to feel like it's shut, shut down because you can feel the wall coming up immediately. So it's just yeah. like see yes and see where it goes because it might lead to something it's, amazing. It's like and, improv, and, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's, it's total method of improv and the other side of that is when you get an assignment no matter what it is you know that's going to be the thing that's going to make you famous yeah no matter what it is it's kind of like uh, you know i tell people too that um advertising is a lot of uh, the art of self-delusion like no matter what you've heard before whatever whatever the client history is no matter what the people bitching about the assignment before said this is the time it's going to go be famous. Yes. And, and, yeah. And that's happened a few times to me of like people have been working on assignments and oh, they never buy anything. It sucks. And yes. they're like, how'd you get to do it? Well, because I didn't, but you know, I didn't stop. Right. And I, I had the right attitude coming in and, and sort of, they could see the excitement. Um, there's a lot yeah. of ways to sort of break that chain, but yeah, you can't listen to that negative talk from people yeah. that have been on the business for a long time because a lot yeah. of times that's just that's just burnout right? you got to try and avoid negativity as, as much as you can because it's easy it's fun to get cynical and kind of you know bitter and there's a lot of um you know gallows humor and advertising but it doesn't really help that energy it's gone the wrong way i think yeah 
I read a story about you when Lou Bars came into, uh, you were at Fallon McGilligan, which I'd love to talk about uh, a little bit. But when Lou Bars first came into Fallon, he was sort of testing everybody out and he sort of stuck you together with somebody you'd never been with before. Tell, tell that story. What was that like? Yeah, well, that's a good example of, of saying yes. Yeah. So that was uh, uh, Steve Driggs was the, my partner on that. And I, yeah, David was new and no one kind of knew what to make of him. But I did know he was like doing doing his evaluation of the entire creative department. Yeah. So I, it was like late at night. I happened to be walking the halls, and he's like, "You," and then we, you know, I was like, "Yeah, I'm Greg." What? He's like, "Well, we have this assignment for Sports Illustrated. They've looked at stuff for they've gone three rounds. The creatives are fed up with it, and they're just not giving it to me if it falls. And mm-hmm. we have client presentation the day after tomorrow, and it needs to be great. This is Sports Illustrated. They're, you know, classic brand. There's no reason this should not be great. I'm like, he's like a I want you to work on it, and then Steve Driggs, because he's got some time. You guys just uh, show me what you got tomorrow. And did you know Steve before that? I had never met Steve. No, we worked in the same office for, you know, maybe a year or so. Yeah. But he was quiet, and so was I. But um, so I was like, oh, God, we're both thrown into this thing. I don't know this guy. Yeah. The other part of the story is I never watched sports. I know nothing about sports. (laughs) So I was like, I'm so fucked. So you didn't but say that out he, loud. You just were like, okay. You just yeah, said no, yes. No, at, at the time, I'm like, okay, yeah, cool, great, awesome. I think every creative, when they get an assignment, there's immediate fear of this. Yeah. This can be the time they're they're not going to come up with something. Yep. So yeah, you do have to get over that, but you can't let that show. Um, it was like, yeah, awesome. That's that's such a great assignment. Let's go. Let's do it. And then I met Steve, and it's kind of the same boat. But he is so easy to work with. He was just like he's the example of saying yes. Yeah, so just throw something out, and instantly we have stuff all over the walls, you know, it's, it's very effortless with Steve. So we clicked right away and, um, you know, we ended up working together for four or five years on a bunch of different stuff, City wow. Bank and Nordstrom's and all kinds of stuff. So you made it through the audition. Yeah, we made it through the audition. It ended up being like one of David's favorite things out of Fallon. So that, yeah. was, that was good. It was a great campaign. It was, uh, what, what was it called? It, um... it was a uh, Sports Illustrated, you may not get it, but our readers do. Yes. It was, it was actually, uh, it, on paper, it doesn't sound like that great of an assignment. It was um, Sports Illustrated for media buyers, for like basically the people who sit in ad agencies at the time. Yeah. And buy and buy um, media in different, you know, buy, buy ad placement in different kind of print magazines or TV. So this was something they would see that yeah. would get them to say, wow, there's a lot of people that are into sports that read Sports Illustrated. So yeah. it was just about this inside world of our three, what our three million readers think. So I there's think. so many uh, so many places there, so many traps there where you could have gotten caught. Like, I don't know the, the whatever the product is. I don't know sports. I don't really care about sports. I don't like sports. There's the, I don't really know this partner guy. Uh, there's the, we have no time. We have to have something by yeah, tomorrow and it's awesome. late at night and I really just want to go home. Yeah. And there's the, oh, and it's just an assignment for like Media Week magazine. Nobody's going to see this thing. Um, and you just put all that aside and, and cracked it and it won so many awards. I remember seeing it and being so jealous. And, oh, thank um, you. The old yeah, lady with that's... the Viking helmet on is still uh, in my head. Oh, that's very nice of you. Um, yeah. yeah, that that is, goes back to the idea of self-delusion. you got to kind of put that aside and go, this is going to be the one that, you know, first of all, my audience was David Lubar, so it wasn't like I was worried about the 
you know, who's going to see it, because I know the person who really matters is yeah. going to see it, who's going to see it tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and as far as, like, you know, not not knowing my partner and stuff, that, that kind of went... I, I, I did have a lot of experience working with, because I never really had a steady partner, working with a bunch of different people. Yep. And that idea of being open and saying yes has made that easier. So, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, within an hour of sitting with Steve, I was like, okay, this is going to be okay. Yeah, we're going to have stuff. It's going to yeah, be good. Yeah, we're going to have stuff. That's, that's a scary thing. It's actually, we presented two campaigns. I, I was pushing for the other one, believe it or not. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then I remember Andy Azula came in. He's like, no, no, no. That's, uh, <laughs> it's this one. <laughs> All right. And the other part is you were there late at night walking around. Like you yeah, weren't really like you weren't doing it. You were just hanging out, and that's when David yeah. Lubars was walking the halls, and he saw you, and that's why he picked you. To yeah, do I, ha- I happened to be the guy in the halls. That yeah, was kind of it. And we again, we hadn't worked together or anything like that, so he probably wanted to see you know who was who, get to know different people on the agency. Yeah, in the creative department. But um, yeah, at that time I was um, single, living in Minneapolis. You know, so every all my friends were basically in the same situation. All my friends were from Fallon, so mm-hmm. I didn't have kids to go home, so, so I could dedicate. That's the time to really put everything you can into your career. And it's the planet Hoth outside in the winter time yes. in in Minneapolis, yeah. so yeah, that helps too. Yeah, I was dreading going outside at that point. <laughs> um, what what is it about David Lubars? Because I, I worked there too, and I, I love that guy. He was so um, open and 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 cool, but also decisive. What what was it that made you you followed him from you were there at at Fallon for, with him for what eight years or seven years, and then oh, yeah. you followed him to BBDO. So you've been with him for a long time. Yeah, longer than a lot of marriages. Yeah. Um, I think it, he just gets me, like, and he doesn't try to put, and he doesn't make it like a business, you know. He's, he's, he approaches it from he's a creative at heart. He's, yeah. His first and and you know gut response is creatively. He's not thinking about is this going to scare? Is this the right thing? It's just like he likes ideas. He, he he's very he's a kindred spirit when it comes to sitting with creatives, and he gets excited over making, you know. He would love to see a cool in-house flyer as much as you know yeah. as he would the next Super Bowl spot. He just likes you know, but so he's he definitely has that you know creative eye on what is passion and all that kind of stuff. And um, he's very much not having to put his fingerprints on stuff. You know, David, he's he yeah. a whole look at a stack of work. And it's like yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. If you see something, maybe it could be tweaked. He'll pick that, but doesn't feel the need to make it his. You know his. He, I would always do an impression of him and be like, I'm not, I'm not trying to make it bad. I'm just saying, like, you can make it yeah. this way. You know, it's like, it's, yeah. it's his, he had, uh, he had ideas, but he, he'd never pressed it on you. And he, he, he would just kind of talk to you about it and then be like, okay. Yeah, it doesn't feel like there's a big ego no. in the work, with, you know. Which is amazing for somebody that yeah. big. Um, you were, you were one of the first people to use uh, music video director Spike Jones for advertising on your Lee uh account uh in minneapolis how how did you find him and how do like how do you stay on top of like trends and what's happening and and where do you get your inspiration now like how do you how do you do that well spike had done he did a levi's thing which i always loved before oh. that. um and he did some cool videos but that that it just came from being curious again and now it's you know with the internet it's almost too much yeah, it's the other problem. Like it used to be that you couldn't find anybody, and you had to get the three-quarter tapes. Yes, exactly. And I mean, now it's like the there's just so many 
videos everywhere that you don't know where to start. Yeah. So where where do you go for inspiration now? What do you what do you look at? Mm, you know, a lot of you know, the, the social networks because people feed into that. But then you're kind of looking at the same stuff everybody else is. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to look at this. I, I my one of my favorite things to do is because this is a really pays off in advertising is read stuff that wasn't written for you or you're not the intended audience. Mm-hmm. So you know, I used to go into bookstores and magazines pick up just like weird. Books, even you know, it's like uh, chiclets or you know, like you know, sort of like I remember reading like what's on the bestseller list and seeing like young girls' book reading list and just right. pick it up because the, the writing is it's a different voice and it's intended for a completely different audience. You just kind of expand your so it kind of goes the same way now. It's just like look at shit online or wherever you get your inspiration TV. Um, still, you know, there's a million channels, just watch old stuff, new stuff, whatever's out there. That's not really written for you to to stay out of your box. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I find that it's, uh, I love driving to new, I was just, I just had to drive down to Maryland for a shoot, um, Uh and to put the radio on in another place and just sort of tool around and, uh, out where I was, there was a lot of like, um, religious radio on that morning Uh for some reason. So I was just listening to this preacher talk about Jesus and like, it was, it was so cool because I was like, I would never be listening to this. This is just, this is just another world that I'm sitting in for a little while. Another, Um, another thing that I found really useful is, um, eavesdropping (laughs) in New York. It's, yes. New York, we have such an advantage there because you ride the subway and you are in humanity and hearing conversations. And yeah. People just don't care that you're there. <laughs> they, you it's know, true. They, they, and they don't see you, that you're, they don't see that you're standing you. right I, next I, to you. Even at dinner when, you know, before I had a family, in America, I'd go out, you know, just hang out at a restaurant or whatever mm-hmm. by myself and just sit there. And, like, the co- table conversations next to you are just like, do you realize I'm sitting, two, yeah. you know, a foot away from you? Yeah. And, but it's great stuff, and you get to hear pe- people's lives and the way people actually talk and things like that. I, mean, you... I, felt, I actually felt kind of old because I was walking down the street, and there's these two tween girls just yeah. talking about, like, the sex as if, as if like, I would <laughs> yeah. wasn't there. I'm like, yeah. are you not even embarrassed that there's a dude there? Yeah, like, no. Like that, like, out of your... Even. <laughs> yeah, and you, that's what it makes you realize that, like, this is a totally different generation, and they have totally different... Um, thoughts and feelings and 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 aspects and and Social attitudes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, but you learn that just by absorbing. You know, being a constant. I think a lot of people, creatives, are just good observers, and um, yes. writers especially have this tendency to um, just sit back and sort of make these observations more than certain other people can. And I feel like that's why, like, New York City, L.A. to a lesser extent, but New York City is and always has been a center of creativity because you are forced to sort of interact with people that are so completely different than you uh, in a very intimate way um, and listen in on their conversations and smell what they're eating and um, and sort of walk through their neighborhoods and hear different languages. And do you feel like that, like when you went to Minneapolis, was it was it not as uh, good? Was it a different way? That's true. I mean, I grew up in Ohio, but that's a very, you know, I was in a small little circle, you know. 
I didn't get a lot of um, diversity and a lot of different opinions growing up there. And then when I went to Minneapolis, I did feel like I was kind of at a disadvantage. And that's a that's a pretty cool art artistic little community, and yeah. a lot of people, you know, having worked at Fallon was kind of a inter, you know, continental bubble there. Right. But I did kind of feel like you don't get the sense of when you're walking the streets in New York, you're just overloaded with this sensory stuff and posters and signage and graphics and you don't get that in Minneapolis and certainly don't get that in LA because you're in your car a lot. Yes. Yeah. LA, it's like people walking, you you must, you're either homeless or crazy if you're walking down the street. Remember I asked the guy at the hotel, like, is there an ATM nearby? And he's like, oh yeah, three blocks down that way. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, Walking. He's like, no, no. (laughs) No, No, those are, those are mile long blocks. (laughs) <laughs> you're isolated. You're very isolated in LA, but in yeah. New York, you are in it. You kind of, which is great. You do, you, um, you end up socializing or just interacting with people's point of views that you never would. You get to hear some great arguments and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, what what do you look for in creativity today? Like, what how has it changed, and what what's what's exciting to you? I know you did for HBO, you did the Voyeur thing, and and a lot of times uh, at BBDO, and I know you guys are known for your tele, big television spots, but I feel like you guys do a lot of things that are experimental. Um, we try to do a few things there. You know, it's like yeah. jumping into something new. What what's the new thing that you're you're all excited about? Well, it's also interesting that we have it's a twenty year hangover of T V from like back in the day when yeah. there used to be Super Bowl spots. But ninety percent of the stuff we're working on is not is not T V. We just you know, still haven't lost that um that that shadow, but we you know, we do it well. But to me, you because know, I see every, almost everything that people are working on. Yeah. It's very very small part of the T V. Um, Interesting. I think the biggest difference now is like you know it used to be way back in the when technology first came out there was sort of a a resistance to it. And it was this purity of idea comes first and technology second. That's that holds true, but sometimes technology can lead to an idea, and, it, and sometimes an idea couldn't be possible unless that technology was there. Because mm-hmm. the way the way it's emerging over the last couple of years, and certainly in the future, is every platform that's Institute it has a whole new set of ways of interacting with it, behaviors and rules. Mm-hmm. So you can't ignore that and go, I have this idea, how does it fit into this? They almost mm-hmm. have to be symbiotic, it goes back and forth. And what, what platforms are you are you excited about now? Like what are the things that you're sort of playing around with? Are you on um, Snapchat? Do you do that? I don't personally. Yeah. I, we do a lot of stuff for them. I just, uh, I don't, I, there's only so many social mediums you, you can play with. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I see, I see stuff. It's kind of the ones that, that stick around for the longest time. Cause I remember, you know, Periscope was huge. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. And now it's just Snapchat ate that. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's the ones that have been around for, for quite some time. I mean, Instagram's doing some interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of clients are still loving Facebook. I have to say they've, They've managed to to keep relevant. Yes, it's. Uh, I mean, they're the ones who kind of killed Periscope, right, with Facebook yeah. Live and yeah. And so they, uh, they, they, whatever anyone else comes up with, they'll either you know mock it, copy it, or come up with something that builds off of it in an interesting way. Yeah. Um, so what? yeah, you know, whatever. A lot of it's apps, you know, mm-hmm. just like cool tools and ways of 
using. What I, what I find most interesting is taking ways of using the, the technology that, that it wasn't supposed to be used mm-hmm. and kind of hacking into that. Like we did this thing for Instagram for um, Bacardi, which um, it takes the skip button on you know, we can on Instagram where you can just hit and skip to the next whatever. Yeah. yeah. Skip past ads. It takes that and uses it to its advantage. So it creates like a mix, like you're like a DJ mixing a track. Because when you skip, it goes to the next track and you can go backwards and goes to that track. So it feels like you're beatboxing a little bit. Oh, that's fun. So yeah, it was a free, you know, cost us nothing, but um, it uses technology and kind of hacks into it. Yeah, that's really cool. How, um, what what books do you recommend uh, kids getting into the industry or, or people that are they're looking to be more creative uh, read? Well, for the industry, like a must have, and I remember when he was writing this, Alan was the Luke Sullivan's book. Yeah, yeah, Hey Whipple. That's Hey Whipple, like, squeeze if, this. It's yes, called. Yeah. If I was if if that were around when I was trying to get into, God knows where I'd be right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would that that book has pretty much everything you need to know about how to start and how to life of advertising it's uh, true and uh, it's it's uh it's sort of its shelf life has uh been been long it's not uh lost it's luster yeah he, i think he's, he just continues to update it so yeah, yeah it has latest the latest technology <laughs> again our archive magazine for concept and creativity then just um writing books from great writers one of yeah. the writers that really inspired me was tom robbins just because yes i don't know if you've read any of stuff but yes I every have. sentence you could pull out and frame like it's beautiful and yeah. there's such and they take forever to get through and the plots aren't great but just the writing and the use of language and metaphor and you know the fun he has with words is from a writer's standpoint is like yeah and then like i didn't know you could write that uh yeah. sort of stuff um you know bukowski and vonnegut and uh, and Tom yeah. Robbins, they were all like the ones that they I was paid like, attention to words. I was just like, whoa, I didn't know you could do that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You could pull, you could point to any sentence and it's like, God, I wish I thought of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, do you think, uh, writers, young writers should still have long copy in their books? Yeah. Even if you, you know, there's a fallacy, like you'll never use long copy, but you'd be surprised in an agency you need, how many times you need to pull on someone who can write, even if it's just like a manifesto for a meeting, yes. things like that. You need someone who can write. It, 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 first of all, shows how you think, but it also just shows that you have that craft, the skill that when it comes, that, that puts you ahead of everyone else who's just coming with ideas and mm-hmm. not non-words. Yeah. And I, I find that uh, writing the, I wouldn't put this in my book, but like writing the the press release for an idea also kind of helps mm-hmm. to um, to see if it, the idea is actually good and relevant. And right. Like why work. would anyone care about this? Yeah. Why would they care? Um, yeah. That's something we talked about with uh, Rob Riley because that's kind of the Crispin way, I guess, from uh-huh. back in the day. Yeah. Um, Which is pretty smart. What... Uh, how how can uh, we follow you on the Twitters and the Instagrams and the and the? I'm not much of a I'm not much of a Twitter. Um, yeah. I do have an alter ego that who every once in a while posts mm-hmm. um, at Max Cat. At Max two, Cat. T two T with two T's. Of our cat mm-hmm. started off. At, started off. I was just going to completely allow me to um, adopt the say things I I wouldn't say right. And, anywhere else yeah so and my cat was kind of an asshole when we had him uh-huh. back in the day we actually had to get rid of him because he was so, he was he was such an asshole yeah he was such yeah. an asshole so i was gonna yeah this is when twitter first started so i 
I was going to adopt his personality and just write from his voice, which was kind of fun. Yeah. But uh, since then, I, I I don't do that as much. It's <laughs> just like a place to, since my name's not on, I can, I can yeah. say some political stuff. Yeah. So, Is uh, there a blog? Is there a, where can they, when can people uh, learn a bit more about you? BBDO.com? BBDO.com. Yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a blog or anything. Right. I don't have a, I don't have a um, personal website at all. I'm, by the time I, I wanted to do that, it was like, why bother at this point? Yeah, exactly. I have uh, I have BBDO giving me uh, all this PR and stuff. Yeah. Um, it is a machine and also a, a lovely place to work. I mean, I, it, they call it a global boutique, and, I, and, it, and it's true. Um, it is. I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that from inside and outside. You know, you've been, you've, you've been around. You've been a big and small. Yep. And, um, hopefully people here like working here and try to keep it. Try to keep it flat, not a yeah. lot of layers. And uh, you know, you actually had the benefit of being here back in the day. You're in Eric's group, but I was in Gre- uh, uh, Jerry's group first, Jerry's group. and then Jerry left, and we had nobody. And then Eric came. That's in. when it probably got scary before Jerry, before Eric got there, because and, yeah, yeah there, this was a different place back then. I don't know if I could have handled it. I remember thinking, I don't know that I want to work at BBDO because it's scary, and I hear all these stories and. Uh, but I do want to work for Jerry Graff, so I'll go. Um, and then yeah. he, he left after six months, and then I was left working for BBDO, and I was like, uh-oh. Uh, and then Eric came in, and I had I had my moment where uh, Eric sort of let most of the people in the group go uh, and brought in his guys from, like, Cliff Freeman days. Right. And he had me and James Clooney. Uh, he said— uh, we had this FedEx script that we had done and it was like this really low budge thing that we were doing. And he said, I want to see the script. And I was like, "Uh Oh, <laughs> we showed him the script. And he's like, this needs to be way funnier. Uh, make it funny by tomorrow or I'm putting my guys on it. Um, okay. so we, we did, we worked, we worked all night and, uh, we made it funnier, I think. Cause he was like, all right, cool. Go shoot it. Um, and yeah, that was that moment where I was like, "Uh Oh, yeah, those moments are good for you because they, they show you next time you get one which you, that you've done it before, which is a huge thing in advertising, just knowing that you've done it before. Yeah, and it's it's a moment where you have to either put up or shut up, right? You can't – it's it's how you react to it. It's not the yeah. – because I could have easily been like, fuck this guy, man. Like, yeah, who, you know, who yeah. does he know? He's a jerk. Whoa. And then put, got my book out and ran away. But yeah. uh, but I, I, I'm proud that I didn't, and we, we stayed on. And, yeah, and it kept us the, on for a while, so it was good. The thing that young creatives have to learn, too, is when you get the bad news, which it will come, this is advertising, is yes. you don't spend the first hour fighting it and bitching about it. You just go, that is what happened, and yeah. we are moving you know, Ideas die. Uh, you get moved to other groups. You get fired. Uh, things yeah. happen, and you just the the way you react to it will always stay with you. So yeah, don't absolutely yeah, don't send him a, a picture of your butt. And what happened? Or you know yeah. whatever you feel like doing at that moment, don't do it. Just just grin and bear it, and and move on, and do your best. All right. Yes. Anything there's else one, for the kids? For the kids, yes. If there's one piece of advice that I would give them. A, Again, back before I went to ad school, you know, went to whatever that concept in class, knew anything about advertising or anything. I was just trying to find books, how to be successful kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a, lot of, a lot of business self-help books to get lost in. I found one that looked pretty easy to read, and it had one piece of advice, <laughs> and it was like the simplest piece of advice you'll ever get, but probably super important and, and has led to, you know, my career path more than any you know, one 
sentence in the in the world. And it's very simple. It just said, successful people do what unsuccessful people don't want to do. Wow. So that's it. You know, that's the key right there. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. So that's good. I love it. Years. Yeah. That's it. Do it. Uh, and uh, do what what your other friends are saying. I'm not doing that. You do it and do it the best you can. Yeah, and if you have to go rework your book at night as a student and you're tired of it, you just think, you know, do I want to do? Do successful people do what unsuccessful people don't want to do? Yeah, it's what price do you want to pay to yeah. get to that place? Because uh, you're going to have to pay a price. Yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, thank you, Greg Hahn. Pleasure. I hope it helped. It was really nice talking to you. Yeah, I think yeah, no, I think people are going to get a lot of. Uh, yeah, we should catch up when we're not being recorded. Yeah. I would love that. Awesome. Uh, and we'll listen in on people's conversations in bars. <laughs> That'd be great. And write them down. All right, that's Greg Hahn, everybody. All right, thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye. So that was my chat with Greg Hahn. What a great guy. He is doing great stuff over there at BBDO. You should check it out. Go to BBDO.com and look at all the uh, great work he's doing. It's not just TV, people. It's true. And this has been The A-List, brought to you by Ad House Advertising School. I'm Tom Chrisman. Thanks for listening. Please rate us and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to be interviewed for an upcoming episode, contact us through adhouse.com. The A-List is recorded at Gramercy Post in New York City. Thanks for listening, everybody.